0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is that time of the week. It is Game Dev Unchained Podcast, the number one source for behind-the-scenes lifestyle information and interviews from game developers and game development in general. If you don't recognize this voice, I would like to take a moment to welcome you. This is Larry Charles, one half of this awesome show, and I always bring with me a guest. It's always random. It's never the same person. And this week... Let's
1: see who the lucky winner is, Mr. Brandon Pham. Ah, uh, you might recognize my voice, though. This is Brandon Pham, and I brought a special guest, Jane Reed. <laughs> Jane Reed. Jane Hello,
2: everyone. Hey, Hello, Jay. Brandon. Hello, Larry. Thanks How's for having me on.
1: Yes. How are you doing? How are you doing today? <laughs>
2: um, I am, um, I think, as good as I'm going to be. <laughs> <laughs> That
1: works. <laughs> so, uh, w- why don't you just kind of walk us through your resume, a little bit about, uh, about your background, to give our audience a
0: yeah, let the people okay. know who who we're talking to because, like, we know you're awesome, but they don't know you.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, um, I have my background over at um, Art Institute of Orange County. That's where I went to school. Uh, same one as Mr. Larry Charles here um, and Brandon from mm-hmm. and. Um, I uh, started my game dev career, actually, over at Blizzard Entertainment. Um, oh, wow. I was a game master, which is, uh, if you know, those who don't know, it's just basically a fancy way of calling it customer support. Mm. So um, that was my very first gig in the game industry. Um, in order for me to move into, like, the creative profession, I did need to get more experience. So that actually lit a fire under me to, like, go out in the world and like test out my metal. Mm -hmm. So basically I started out my actual game dev career in console. Uh, My very first gig was over at shiny, shiny entertainment. Um, They are. Yeah. Best. They're probably best known for um, earthworm gym. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, yeah, I did like 3d artwork for them, um, modeling, texturing and whatnot. Uh, So I was there for a little while until like the industry started shifting a bit. And um, like a lot of company restructuring was happening and resulting in massive layoffs, basically. So um, I was unfortunately caught in one of those like massive layoffs. And I found myself wondering how I'm going to be paying my bills um, with my game art and design degree. (laughs) (laughs) So um, what that kind of prompted me to do though was pivot and it made me, um, have to kind of think outside the box. And what I ended up doing was I just started doing some independent contract work. Mm -hmm. So I became a freelance designer and I started posting my stuff on Craigslist and, um, started getting some, some clients just from, um, just posting my stuff on uh, Craigslist and also like tech forums, Behance and stuff like that. And I actually got lucky and got a few gigs. And then some of them actually turned into repeat customers. And I was able to do this at-home business for about six years. Mm. Um, my, uh, and about a year into it, my husband um, crashed. He was able to join me. So um, we ran this operation for, like, well, like I said, six years. And when we first started, it was really cool because, like, the iPhone 1 had basically just come out. Yes. <laughs> so there was actually, like, a really big demand for graphics for it because, I mean, if you guys remember those early iPhone apps, the visual design for it was Crude at best. Yeah. Oh
0: man, this is terrible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Programmer
0: art finally got its day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, one of the first games I played on it was like roll the ball from the left screen part of the screen to the right part of the screen.
3: Yeah, seriously.
2: <laughs> so um so yeah, I actually got a pretty good clientele. Um and we worked on all kinds of different projects. Uh like my my favorite one actually is called um period tracker. So it's this app for the ladies. Oh,
1: that was what a you punctuation app for, yeah. <laughs> for the ladies.
2: Yeah, so it helps us keep track of, you know, our monthly business. And yeah. uh, and actually, I can't say it's just for ladies because there was not also a companion app that yeah. went with it. So it's for the males in our lives yeah. to kind of. Get a little bit of a uh, clarity and help with what's going on
0: <laughs> she says clarity and help what i like to call it is heads up assistance
3: yeah <laughs> that's another good way no do. offense <laughs>
0: yeah that's, that, that's amazing no. yeah
3: <laughs>
0: and then after period tracker you worked on a pretty interesting game if i'm not mistaken right there was a uh, something about a dog what, what's going on there
2: <laughs> well that was actually later on Oh, at- okay
0: i'm sorry i didn't mean to skip i didn't mean to skip never mind oh, Go God, ahead. No, <laughs> let her tell her story man be patient.
2: well i'm glad larry is excited about the the dog app so <laughs> so anyway um like i'll get to it larry don't worry okay thank um,
3: you
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i got to be an independent contractor like i said and um around the time that um, Maxim was born our son uh, we decided that we didn't really want to keep um, continuing with independent contract work uh, just because it's it's not always stable um, it's got its ups and downs so um, I felt I really felt like it would be better to get like a full-time gig so I ended up working at a software development agency um, in Newport and basically doing the same thing as I was at home um, but this time I get to like have an actual nine to five and uh, a paycheck every other week, which was really awesome. And i worked on cool projects with them too. Um, I would have to say the one that stood out the most for me was, um, we did like this, like fancy 3d database app for, um, Sony, uh, for their digital uh, distribution Mm -hmm. division. Um, So basically they just wanted us to make like this thing called Sony city. And it's like all these buildings that have like a bunch of data about the movie titles that they're selling. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, it was like a really fun project. We got to, I got my first experience in unity during that um, time. Nice. So um, anyway, so after a little while there, we met a friend who, knew the entrepreneur who started a franchise called It's a Grind Coffee. And yeah, so are you familiar with that? Yeah,
0: familiar with It's a Grind.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, really good coffee. And um so this man, he um is a serial entrepreneur and he had sold his franchise and wanted to move on to a new and really fun project. Mm. He specifically wanted to make a game, and um, he wanted to also support his wife's passion of um, dog rescue. Mm. She, yeah, she runs a dog rescue called West Coast Animal Rescue over in Long Beach, and he wanted to kind of make something that would like support what she was doing. So we wanted to make a game, something like candy crush or along like that kind of a category mm. to, um, have in-app purchases that would, uh, also like basically go into, um, supporting the dog rescue in real life.
3: Right.
2: <laughs> so, um, that's where, uh, tall tales actually came from, but, um, that's
3: a, yeah, that's it's, a story.
2: yeah, it's a, it's called tall tales. And, um, and uh, I guess to backtrack a little bit, before we had uh, Tall Tales, we all co- helped co-found um, the com- uh, the indie company Zool Labs. Yes. Yeah, and uh, that's where Zool Labs came from. We named it after, like, the… Server
0: on AI, right?
3: <laughs> Server, yep. On
2: that's what
0: AI. I thought. That's what I thought. <laughs> So, Zool was our, uh, at college, it was the name of our, like, shared file server. It was the, it was our internal Napster
1: LimeWire, like, Mm -hmm. that's what it was.
2: And, you know, you could find all kinds of crazy cool things on Zool. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I would pass over those things.
2: (laughs) I'm sure, you did.
3: <laughs> so yeah,
2: we um, so yeah, we wanted to make a nod to like our time at AI and um, Zool. and we named our company Zool Labs, and uh, our, the product that we made was our puzzle game on the mobile platform called Tall Tales, and um, so Tall Tales is basically just like this, like really simple and fun but very challenging kind of a puzzle.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you ha- it's it's uh, simple in that you, you basically just get the dog from like point A to point B, but like there's all these like crazy things in your way and you have to figure out how to get around. And the in-app purchases would come from like power-ups and like uh, hints and stuff. Um, so uh, so yeah, like my time at Zo Labs was actually a really cool experience. It was scary too, just because I had like me and my husband, Crash, had to like leave our stable jobs over at the agency, uh, at the software development place, in order to pursue this venture. And um, it was pretty scary, but we felt like we really believe in the cause, that you know, we're, we're a big fan of canines as well. And, um, I mean, it was also a chance to work on a game again, which we didn't really get to do a whole lot of at the uh, software development place. Mm-hmm. So we definitely were like, ready to jump on board and, um, pursue this venture. Um, so yeah, we created tall tales. Um, we created a Kickstarter for it as well to help fund it. And, um, it was really cool. We learned like a lot from that Kickstarter experience. Um, while we didn't quite meet the, uh, pretty lofty goal that we had set for the Kickstarter. Um, We did meet uh, a bunch of other people that were really interested and really supported what we did. And um, we were very lucky to be able to finish funding the game through kickstarter even though like the actual kickstarter didn't um go through but um we definitely were able to network and meet people that really believed in the cause
0: yeah i, re- I remember that i was like oh I, I thought that was like someone must have picked you up or someone must have decided to publish you because you had <laughs> gotten so close that's what i assumed
2: yeah so yeah, definitely. We had um, we, we got so close to the goal, but that was definitely a lesson because like if we were to do it again, we would definitely like split the goal up into like smaller and more digestible milestones mm-hmm. instead of having like one big lofty goal. But for all of us it was like a new experience. Like Kickstarter was totally new to all of us and we had never tried running a campaign before. So um, as I was saying, like, it was it was a, quite a learning experience for us. But now we've uh, we have learned a lot of valuable lessons that um, I'm happy to share with whoever wants to know.
0: <laughs> yes, me. <laughs> I want to know.
1: Well, I mean, there was a plethora of experience you just shared with us. And I kind of want to go back all the way to the beginning. I feel like every game developer kind of goes through an awakening every mm-hmm. time they get laid off where they feel, well, they find out how vulnerable the game industry really is and they're like, oh, maybe I should start branching off to other things. And I feel like every developer that I've talked to that have been through a, lay- a layoff, they really go through like a life-changing experience. Yes. Uh, although I don't wish it on anyone, <laughs> I do see the benefits of having an experience like that and being able to bounce back because it is a sink or swim for the sake of a longevity of a game developer. So if we go back to that time and uh just kinda walk us through, you know, your, your your thoughts of um well obviously you stay within the industry, but did you have thoughts of going out and leaving it for good or switching um. careers altogether?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, when we were at the um, software development agency, that was kind of like our departure from the game industry. For like, uh, I think I was there for about two years, and um, during that time, I really didn't work on a whole lot of games. I worked on some concepts for like, like I think one or two. Um, like titles that were kind of more experimental, Mm -hmm. but like the, the agency was very like um, they wanted to have like safe projects. So most of the projects there were like medical um, database apps or like Mm -hmm. uh, some kind of a content management system for like lawyers or something. (laughs) So, So it's definitely more projects. That's like not so much of a passion project, but they will definitely pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, like, yeah, I did depart from um games for quite a while, and I definitely missed it, which was why when we were prompted to pursue the indie company at Zool Labs, I was definitely ready to like jump and try it out.
1: <laughs> did you have prior experience uh in any of the entrepreneur stuff, or was it just learning as you go? Yeah, was this your first business or?
2: yeah that was my first like indie company that i helped co-found um and uh my my when i was doing independent contract work i was basically learning as i go um i i didn't really know like even how to like charge what how much to charge like that was one of the big mystery questions that i was like trying to figure out like how do how do i even know like what to charge or like you know, where do I find clients? I, I, it was definitely, um, uh, like a bit of a, I don't know. I like, I felt like I was shooting in the dark, you know what I mean?
3: Right.
2: <laughs> but, um, how I, 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 figured it out was just by a lot of trial and error. I would just kind of post my stuff and, um, just talk to people and, and see what, like, the current market was like what other designers were charging. Um, so I did a little research on like like salaries and hourly rates for um, freelance people, and then also like I wanted to figure out like okay, well, where would I find clients? And I definitely uh, had a lot of luck in the tech forums because one of my gambles was I think it's going to be people that are technical who don't have design skills because. At all the design forums, I didn't, you know, nobody needed my services because all the people on it were designers themselves right, <laughs> for right. jobs as well. <laughs> so, um, Yeah, Yeah, I went to all the tech forums. Yeah, and like, and I got actually got some um, hits from that. People just would kind of randomly uh, contact me. But I would say to like the the listeners out there who are considering doing this and you want to post your stuff, um, don't expect responses right away because like I would have people contact me like two years later after I made the post. (laughs) Hey, uh, do you still do iPhone graphics? And I'm like, wow, okay, (laughs) that was. That was like two years ago. <laughs> so you um, can't I'm, expect instant results.
0: <laughs> I'm here responding to your iPhone 3 advertisement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing about the interwebs, right? When you go on the internet and you post something, it's there forever, which is a good thing because it's all reoccurring advertising. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like it's hard to get started. If, you, if I were to go out there and wanted to start a business and looking for clients, it's so big and so vast. That uh, it's hard to get very specific on where exactly where to start, you know, too many choices.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah it's, it can be very overwhelming. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's, um, that's how I pretty much uh, got started with the um, independent contractor stuff. And, um, yeah. And with the indie company, like I said, it was, uh, we actually met the entrepreneur through a friend like within our network. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was just, I feel like it was dumb luck that that happened. So, you know, sometimes that could also happen as well and you never know. And, uh, it was, it's definitely a risk that like, it's up to you to make, to, to take, but mm-hmm. I definitely don't regret doing it
1: when you're interfacing with clients or uh, potential clients what what are the pitfalls and and warnings you would have for people out there like i mean obviously you would have to start drawing up contracts and set sure. terms yeah. and then i don't even know <laughs> like i think there's a certain language you got to follow instead <laughs> of like a one sentence please give me my money <laughs> by the end of this <laughs> like how how did that go about
3: <laughs> um,
2: well, what I did, because I, you know, I don't have any experience in like legal paperwork or anything. I mean, that was an art major. So um, what I did was I just went um, on the interwebs and found some existing independent contractor um, contracts and then just kind of reviewed them and changed the places where they would apply to me. And then I kind of started from there. <laughs> It was a nice starting point for me to just have some kind of a contract. And then as I was going, um, I was learning that like, okay, I should amend these parts so that it includes like revisions, like how many number of revisions I'm willing to do for free before I'm like, okay, now you're costing me more money.
0: Yeah, you're taking advantage.
2: Yeah, (laughs) because you will come across clients that don't understand how freelance works.
0: Uh, so, Jane, in working for yourself and starting your own company, like, it's cool when you're by yourself and you're making contracts for just you. But mm-hmm. it, I believe, didn't Zool Labs, you guys hired a couple of people, right? So mm-hmm. I guess that would have been a, a new experience as well, like bringing on a new employee. Do you contract them? Do you hire them to the company? You know, so what was that experience like when you knew your company was ready for growth and ready to bring in new employees? What new lessons did you find there?
2: Um, well, the lessons for... For the indie company, I, I actually didn't have to do a whole lot of the hiring process myself, okay. since we had actually a team um, to to take care of that for us. And we did end up hiring most of our friends uh, from AI. <laughs> so, um, it's
3: funny how that works.
2: Yeah, yeah, we wanted to work with all our friends that we knew were really talented, and you know, we know how hard it is to find a job in the game industry. So, we wanted to give everybody like like a chance that to join us on this crazy adventure (laughs) and um uh yeah like our ceo which was the um entrepreneur who started everything for us um he he did most of the legal work and everything and we got to um kind of enjoy just doing like our jobs which was really nice
1: was it a physical location or did you get mostly good morning oh Oh,
2: let me tell you about this location like so (laughs) <laughs> the office is like this really um, nice it's like a tight little space in Huntington beach but um, the office itself is like a really really nice space it was right across the street from the beach like so, Literally at lunch we would like just cross the street and like hang out at the beach. We could have picnics, we could jog on the beach, we could like and then there was times when um they would even bring some of the rescue dogs in and we would just hang out with them at the office while we're working. And during the Kickstarter as well, when we were filming things for the Kickstarter, we had the dogs visiting us during that time too. And, um, yeah, it was, like, such a cool experience to be able to, like, work right across the street from the beach. And we would have, like, doggy visitors every so often.
1: Yeah, you guys are probably the tannest software company. <laughs> the tannest software company. <laughs> <guy. laughs>
2: Sorry, what? Now I missed that part of Cutout.
0: He said, you guys are probably the most tanned software company.
2: <laughs> yeah, That's probably. Cool, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm gonna book a meeting at the volleyball court. Everyone, come on down. <laughs> how,
1: how how big was your uh, the software company? Did it end up being?
2: Um, I think we got up to I think like ten people.
3: Okay. Okay. Nice. So we started good.
2: with we started with like three or four of us, and then yeah, and then it grew to about ten people.
3: Wonderful. What
0: was your favorite part about um, having your own studio like that? What yeah, do you think?
2: Yeah, was... so, yeah, ten around ten people, and we actually had two interns as well. Um, and, uh, they, they helped us out with like all kinds of like little tasks and stuff like animation. They, they, we had one that was doing like cool little animations for us. And then another one that was kind of researching like VR, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just,
1: just getting fun. coffee, cleaning <laughs> our shoes from yeah.
0: the sand. Well,
2: it, was, it was more like getting beer, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> oh, man. Friends, which was awesome.
0: <laughs> Let me know when you guys are hiring.
3: <laughs> that sounds.
2: <laughs> well, unfortunately, once the project was over, the funding was also done as well. Uh, um, yeah, we're no longer there. But um, everyone, the cool thing is that um, a lot of people that were there actually did move on to like really cool projects. Um, yeah. One of our animators was able to uh, get a job over at DreamWorks and he now works on um, animating um, for some of the children's shows that they started
3: oh,
2: wow. on um, like Netflix. Um, and then we have another, uh, I think our engineer went to, um, work for JibJab Mm -hmm. and then Crash, my husband, he actually ended up working at Blizzard Entertainment as a lead UI designer now. So, um, the, I would say the experience at Zool really carried us a lot. And, um, and now I myself am working at, uh, the creative group. So I actually, um, get to serve the entire Orange County area with my creative services.
1: Perfect. So, opportunities within the game industry is always worth taking when it's something like working across the beach or, you know, even if it's within a group of 10 and you're hanging out with your friends. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Like, it's hard to pass that up and not see where that can lead. Like, I know if I stay at a certain company that I've been at for the last four years, I can pretty much project what the next four years can look like. But being able to make a jump with my friends... I feel, are the opportunities that a lot of game developers look over because it's not safe enough. And it feels like you don't regret any of the things that you've done,
3: obviously. No,
2: (laughs) uh, definitely not. I mean, we weren't expecting the office to be right across the street from the beach. Like, we didn't even expect actually an office because our initial plans were to kind of, like, do a satellite company where we all work from home on our free time and just... um, like you know partake in the project whenever we can but um like the uh the ceo was just really adamant he wanted he was really excited and he wanted to just get everybody on board right now and let's get this going wow. so yeah that's that's why we have a space we had a, a space in huntington beach um and yeah everything moved along really quickly like way quicker than we were expecting
1: yeah it definitely helps uh being next to each other. I mean, this is one of the stuff that Larry and I keeps, keep going back and forth. Like, we love the idea of being at home in our underwear and doing and whatever we want to do and work on the game that we want to work on. Uh, but, like, we do miss the part of us in our underwear next to each other at work <laughs> and doing the things that we need to do. There are benefits sitting next to each other. Uh, Larry's not agreeing with me. You
2: guys are well, so close. You,
0: you, you used in our underwear together in both sides of the example, was, where one side is we're at home. I'm joking. Only one of us.
1: Only one of us. But you know, I'm sure with you guys working next to each other, the project moved along a lot faster because. Oh of, yeah, definitely. You know,
2: yeah, we were able to just communicate with each other like instantaneously if there was some kind of an issue or if we got like um, uh, like user feedback. Like that was one of the really cool things at ZOL too, is we would have these game nights and we would invite um, a bunch of the people that uh, were, were playing the game and helping us out, giving us feedback. Um, and we just invite them over for beers and pizzas and like fill out surveys about the game. So, we would get their feedback and be able to basically edit the game according to what they were saying, just right there on the spot. So, um, that was definitely an advantage to having that uh, location and having an office with everybody in it in one roof.
1: One of the most, yeah, one of the biggest things I'm really impressed by you and your husband is that the the sustainability of six years. I mean, (laughs) that you outlasted a lot of studios. (laughs) in those that lifespan. Like what what was this I mean, being lean and mean definitely helps, but still six years of contract work and being able to call the shots. Like what was what was the biggest takeaway uh for you guys? What made it work?
2: Um well I would say like we like the two of us since we operated the um at home business with just the two of us, um, we definitely had to go through a lot of like communication like exercises (laughs) where (laughs) (laughs) we had to like understand each other's like strengths and weaknesses and not step on each other's toes so at the very beginning it was a little bit rough trying to like kind of feel out each other and how we would figure out like who would do what and who's good at what, and let's not argue (laughs) over our egos and stuff. Um, (laughs) So that was definitely uh, a big factor to the longevity is just the fact that we were able to communicate with each other and like learn about each other's strengths and weaknesses and not let our egos clash um, and ruin everything. Basically. Um, That,
1: (laughs) that aspect alone is impressive. like, I love my wife very much, Uh, but the idea of working with her and then living with her, you know what I mean? Like if I just decide to just not work and then just watch TV, I know she's eyeing me from the corner of her eyes like, what, you don't want to eat next month? What What are you doing over there? You know, where, where does that line get drawn? It's very blurry, right? So how, yeah. how did that work out? <laughs> well, obviously it worked out, but I mean, like, there must have been some kind of crazy back and forth.
3: Uh, yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, in the beginning, we definitely had to figure out, like what are our work hours and what are our play hours because we like definitely we're playing a lot of world of warcraft too <laughs> and, <laughs> and we wanted to make sure that like we didn't just play wow through all of our project due dates (laughs) so organization was definitely a big part of it like um making sure that you have like your projects in line and like knowing when their deadlines are and setting clear expectations for each of them before you go and do the fun playtime stuff (laughs) um yeah, that that was uh, definitely a big factor to it. We actually just went old school and had like an Excel sheet with mm-hmm. our projects listed and due dates and then just the calendar next to it. Um, but that was also developed over time. We're, we had to, you know, like kind of do trial and error and be late a few times with our clients before we were like, oh, yeah, we need to like really get our shit together. <laughs> oh, can I say shit? I don't know. You yeah, definitely good. say
3: shit. Yeah, it's it's fun. <laughs> All right.
2: <laughs> yeah so um, yeah definitely we had there was a bit of a learning curve there too and having to have discipline um, like build over time that was definitely uh, important for (laughs) for being able to run an at-home freelance business
3: Mm
0: -hmm. would you do it again
2: oh yeah I definitely want to do it again Um, I'm just trying to figure out the angle now (laughs) of like how we can get it to work because obviously the market is not what it used to be Mm -hmm. like 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 mobile and I like, uh, just mobile graphics and apps and stuff. The development of, um, the software is now like pretty much taken over by agencies, Mm -hmm. um, where uh, the client can can just come and say, I want to make this app. And then all the technical and graphical and all their marketing needs and everything are just kind of all under one roof. Mm -hmm. So it's much more more convenient for the customer. So, um, and plus, I have been doing mobile and UI and work, like, like that similar type of work for, like, the last almost 10 years. So, I am um, looking to kind of pivot again.
1: Yeah, I, I, that, that kind of leads into my next question. Like, seeing the market now, and you guys were kind of mm-hmm. on the bleeding edge uh, when you guys decided to go, go on your own. But if you mm-hmm. look at the market now... Uh, without your experience right i I think having all your experience helps but like if you were Mm -hmm. to do it now what would be so different about that definitely helps a lot yeah definitely helps (laughs) just
2: kind of knowing like um i don't know like where where we came from and then (laughs) yeah like i mean i can't even really say like i know where it's all going because the mobile like industry is changing so quickly and evolving that um I and I haven't actually now, now I haven't actually worked in mobile for um, like a few years now. So um, it's probably changed considerably in like the year and a half or two years that I haven't been in it. When we were working at the um, mobile app de- development place, like we, had to have, like, the newest phones. Yeah. But it's like, now it's like, oh, okay, I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> now I just have, like, a basic phone, which would be, like, blasphemy if you're working in the mobile industry.
0: So, Jane, what would you say is one of your most proud moments or biggest accomplishments in the last six years of uh, development?
3: Um,
2: My proudest moments? Um, hmm, that's a good question because <laughs> – I feel like I had, like, a lot of, like, little victories. But I guess, like, my proudest has to probably be that we were able to, um, me and my husband were able to run our business for the six years that we that we did. Because mm-hmm. um, we were, I mean, during that time, the mobile industry was still evolving. So we were trying to keep up and, like, you know, definitely made efforts to grow with the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we definitely had to, like like a change course once our son was born. Cause we just didn't want to be quite as um, Rocky with our ups and downs uh, once he was born. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, kids do change everything. And um, I would say he, he alone, my, my son, Maxim is my proudest accomplishment so far. <laughs> Cause he's, he's an amazing little kid and he's actually a really good gamer already. And he's only six years old.
0: He is. We, uh, I had a nice little talk with him about Overwatch, what his favorite characters were, and we were going to play together. That kid is ahead of the game.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, in terms of, like, uh, the projects that I worked on, I think... Probably, like, I'd have to say Period Tracker is probably my proudest project (laughs) that I've done so far. (laughs) It's it's one for the ladies. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know you guys will have a different perspective on that, but, you know, (laughs) it's one for the ladies. And it's definitely one of the apps that I saw the most visible improvement in once I, you know, helped um, improve the product with Mm. uh, the visual graphics and stuff. They, um, They went from, like, a nobody... Um, app to that one of the top 10 in the health and fitness category on the uh, iOS app store, at least from, from what I heard (laughs) last. So, um, and then afterwards too, it was really cool seeing like a bunch of copycat apps come out and they were like basically making like a lot of the carbon copies of my features that I created in there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. How does that make you feel to see so much flattery? Quote unquote.
2: (laughs) Um, I think, I mean, it was, it felt really good to be able to make like something that, um, a lot of people are able to enjoy and, and it's helpful to their lives. I mean, it's definitely helpful to the ladies and whichever one of their, their men were also, um, on the companion app. (laughs) Mm Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely enjoyed, um, being able to create something that, uh, that so many people can use and find helpful.
1: See, you can only say that when you're a success. If you're being coffee right when you're about on your climb. It hurts. It, it hurts, especially on the Apple Eye story. It really is the Wild West on there. It's like there's yeah, no protection. There's,
0: there's no dignity and there's no integrity is what I'm seeing, right? Like look at Flappy Bird. Flappy Bird was by itself all those like for I think the greater part of a year before it was publicly announced that the kid was making $70,000 a day yeah. on a game he made himself in like a weekend. As soon as that was publicly known, then it was Flappy Drake, Flappy Taco, Flappy, you know what I mean? Like Crappy Bird and like all the, like it just, the the, the floodgates were open. All the copycatters showed up trying to get some of that Flappy Bird money. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I definitely heard about Flappy Bird and it was just unbelievable. <laughs> Especially for us like we were like we have been working in this industry for years now and this kid just comes up with this like super simple game and makes like 70k a day. Like unbelievable. A day. That unbelievable.
0: <laughs> a day. That, there's a lot of people who are jealous, but then there's a lot of people who just straight said, "Well, F it. Apple doesn't care as long as I don't make flappy bird I can make an app it could be like so close to infringing and they'll let me do it and I will sell you know 7 thousand a day instead of 70 but I'll make my money
2: yeah I mean seven thousand a day would still be your set
0: yeah <laughs> so uh speaking of which I've got this game idea it's called tracky bird it's uh, <laughs> I was just kidding <laughs> it's it's flappy bird but using gravity, you're just jumping over hurdles. It's the oh. same mechanic. You're just jumping over hurdles. That's it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like um sounds like being an independent
3: contract.
0: Yeah, am I am I gonna be a hit Jane or no? <laughs> All right, so I got a serious question for you. There's a lot of game developers right now, and we always kind of ask this question to a lot of guests to get different perspectives on the same thing. But Game Dev Unchained is in the spirit of, you know, making people aware that there are different revenue streams out there. You don't have to be tied to your job, especially if you don't like it. You know, we're not trying to promote people quitting. We're just trying to promote independence. Uh, So as a game developer right now, um, who has spent a lot of time in the industry, How do you feel about that moment where you're like, okay, now is when I need, like a lot of people want to do it, but they're scared or they excuse themselves into staying, right? What about those on the fencers out there who are, have ideas or like, man, if I could just do this, I would be rich. Or if I could just, you know, get an engineer who can help me make this game, we would be legit. We'd be set. But since I don't, I'm just going to keep going to work every day. How do you, how do you feel about those like on the fencers, like who aren't, willing to chase the dream or at least give it a shot. Do you have any advice for those guys or girls? Um,
2: Well, I would say that, like, I mean, especially if they've never tried um, before, like, Mm -hmm. definitely – try it out. And I would start out by, um, networking, uh, going to meetups. Like that's what we did a lot too. When, um, we were on the, in the indie company, we would go to a lot of different like tech meetup groups and you would just meet like a lot of other, um, people who are interested in the same thing as you are being independent and, um, striking out and trying out your own thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, you a lot of times could meet some like angel investors there or um, other people that like like you were saying, like if you're if I could just meet an engineer or something that'll help make this thing for me, then those are the ways that you would meet those engineers or other people team members that you need that would complement your skills so I would say yeah like you um tr- at least try it out and you don't have to leave your job in order to go to these networking e- events <laughs> so it's a pretty safe bet to like try it out and always like also check forums and um different uh websites of the places that um like you're interested in or that types of work that you might be interested in just see what's out there and read other people's stories about how they got started Mm so i found that really helpful when we were doing like our own thing as well
1: so besides (laughs) from the kickstarter campaign and you found a a partner pretty much from that Mm
3: -hmm. did you
1: guys ever look into angel investment as a primary way of funding your side business or your primary business
2: Um, well, we haven't done a whole lot of like the, like angel investing and everything ever since then. Um, just because like, uh, pretty much like right after Zool Labs, like, um, crash has already had already been, uh, interviewed at blizzard and, and yeah, he was like hired at blizzard, so I didn't have to worry about it. (laughs) Hmm. And then, um, and so that actually left me time to be able to spend, uh, the last, um, year or two with Maxim before he started school uh, and I was able to be a mommy and a wife uh, it's it's. I mean honestly it's pretty hard to do that when you are doing these ventures because they are very all consuming um, if, if uh, you have a lot of like family responsibilities then going to all the meetups and like networking and looking through all these forums and getting all these ideas outside of your job that's going to take so much of your time So um, it was it was really nice that after our indie company, we were able to um, get get a job that was able to support our lives, at least for a little while to um, have me like spend time with our son, because I mean, the first five years are so important. So I I really wanted to be there for my my son. But these days I am more open to um, looking into angel investing but. Right now, like I said, I am interested in pivoting, but I haven't quite defined what exactly I want to pivot into yet. Mm. Um, I have been uh, getting some good experience in like merchandising and product design with um, my current gig at uh, the Creative Group. So I've been working on like officially branded merchandise for like a lot of different entertainment avenues, like um, TV shows like Dexter or Game of Thrones. Like oh, nice. I'm able to make like their their products their, uh, that they sell on the HBO store or Showtime. Um so I, I I might be interested in that, so I'm trying to do my research and due diligence before I kind of leap into my next thing.
0: Good. That's fair. That's fair.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So Jane, who would you say was probably one of the biggest benefactors, I guess, in educating you and your team on, you know, being a business, getting things going? I know you kinda of mentioned your CEO early on, but was he there the entire time or was he like correspondence or I guess What was it like working directly with a VC who brought not only the financial resources, but the experience resources?
2: Um, It was definitely uh, really helpful. Um, We were able to, I feel like accomplish so much more in the like small amount of time that we were um, working with the company. So, um, yeah, it was it, it was definitely nice having someone who had uh, entrepreneurial experience and um, who had already like started up his own thing and was able to like market it and sell it and everything. Um, we definitely learned a lot. Um, but I think what uh, what I guess like what he could have, I guess, learned um himself more I can't even phrase it right right now but he was not very experienced in the game um, industry arena Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: how to market and um, start up like a game company Mm -hmm. so um, that was the part that was a little harder and more of a challenge for us because um, we had never like actually started up an actual game company ourselves as well like when we were doing our freelance stuff it was mostly like mobile app development and also mobile games and it was like like we're indie people also working with a bunch of other indie people
3: mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: um so it was just very different um because when you start up a game company you have to have like these um was it contingency goals to like after you develop your project if you want to keep developing and keep making games you have to have like funding in like continuously in place and plans for that and marketing and you have to like really define your audience and everything so I think that was the part that we were a little lacking in um in knowledge and experience because uh none of us had really had that experience Mm. of starting um starting like an an actual like game company that could possibly like sustain itself Mm. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean that's definitely one of the challenges. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a whole job by itself just being uh-huh. there, marketing, and finding uh, constant revenue. Yeah, oh. definitely. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Uh, but like, I- I'm really interested. Like, you guys kind of struck gold by finding a VC that. Obviously liked your work enough to to pitch you this idea that really fell in line with what you guys believed in and got a nice place across the beach and started working. Like, was that as simple as it sounds or was there more negotiations to get to that point?
2: Um. Well, there was like, yeah, there's definitely, um, negotiations to like even get the office and everything, but, um, it was really helpful that like our entrepreneur just knew like some, uh, some really helpful people that, that like this office space was actually like one of his friends. Um, like extra spaces. So like we were able to rent the space at kind of more of a reduced cost. Mm-hmm. Um so like I would definitely say like networking and like using utilizing your connections, utilizing your resources. Like that's um that's such a, a helpful thing for um an indie endeavor like that.
0: Wow. Uh okay my question then is was he an angel investor or was he a vc did he say all right i will give you this money and we're going to be looking for x percent of this company or did he just say hey i believe in you take this do your best
2: um well he was uh he was kind of like um like a hybrid for us like okay. he he would basically um Fund whatever he was able to fund, and then um, then he, we wanted to try to get the rest of the funding from the Kickstarter. Gotcha. Um, and then uh, and that since the Kickstarter didn't um, like complete, we we did uh, we were able to find like the other people that pitched in and was able to help us like get over the edge, so he wouldn't have to like <laughs> like pay for everything because <laughs> gotcha. it, it's such a heavy endeavor. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Was it through your own connection, or was it a combination of yours and his that closed the gap for for the rest of the funding?
2: Um, yeah, I would say like a combination of like all our connections, and then also like the people that um that found us through Kickstarter. Uh, they had a, like a real passion for pets and and dog rescue. Mm. Um, so they they really wanted to see the project be complete.
1: Gotcha. So they were motivated. Yeah, yeah. Ex- extended Kickstarter, which know,
2: surprisingly not a lot of people
1: talk about. Like after a Kickstarter, if it's gets, getting close to the goal, I, I imagine the, the funders still can reach out to the creators in some capacity, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, for them, since we weren't really handling the finances, they I think from what I was hearing from um, their end, like they did strike up a deal to like, you know, um be able to sponsor things or like they would get a percentage um of like uh i don't know like either promotion or advertisement or whatever um but yeah they they definitely would have perks you know with the game and everything and we also even offered to um create their dogs (laughs) into the game so there are some of their dogs in the actual game oh nice they really like that idea they like you know they put they showed it to all their kids and yeah it was it was pretty it was a pretty big hit for them and like their families and stuff
0: yeah, and that's. I would imagine that's a small amount of work. <laughs> not, I mean, not a huge undertaking as far as like, hey, here's 150,000. Oh, great, here's your dog.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that's a good
0: trade-off. It's <laughs> awesome.
3: Yeah,
2: that would yeah, be a lot of money. But um, I mean, once it's all like, you know, the multiple people chipping in, like that was definitely helpful.
0: <laughs> now, was there one problem that, would you, that you would say was kind of like a crippling issue before you get started where you're like, oh man, you know, a lot of people will worry. A lot of people will be like, if I leave my job and I start this thing, like there's no going back. So like, did you have that moment where you're like, man, if I quit this nice, safe job, this has to work. You know what I mean? And how do you convince yourself? How do you pep yourself up to say, go through that? I believe in you, you know?
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah, we definitely went through that when we were uh, leaving the the app company for um zool because you know we had no idea if this dog game was going to like be a success and be able to sustain our living Mm -hmm. and all that um and we definitely talked to like our friends and families and we're we asked like what what do you guys think like does Mm -hmm. it sound like something we should try to pursue and we definitely got people like two of Of course, both sides, right? Like we had some people that were like, yeah, well, you have like a pretty good job right now. That's like a nine to five and constant income. Like I wouldn't leave it. And then we had the voices of adventure as well. And they were Mm -hmm. like, no, you're going to get basically you're going to get paid like for almost a year or so to do a passion project. And that's just not an opportunity that you come across every day. So, um, you know, the people that were the voice of adventure definitely kind of were louder for us, I think, because I, I felt that they were right. Like, this isn't an opportunity that you can come across every day. And, you know, life is about, you know, carpe diem, right? So mm-hmm. we we wanted to just, just do it and whatever comes would come. And definitely was not something that we regret because like I was saying, like most of us actually got to like really good positions afterwards. Cause I don't know if it's because the employers think that, um, like we, we took a risk and did all like this, this endeavor. Um, maybe they see it as a, you're, you're someone that's like a go-getter and you'll, you'll take risks for th- the things that you believe in. And that's, I think that's a good thing, <laughs> whether they believe it or not. I, I think so. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely more that you bring to the table than the average game developers jumping job from job, right? Uh, there's a lot of stuff that you can put in and and grow into for, for a higher position at, at a certain company. I think a lot of companies do like that. I know Valve definitely looks for employees like that. They look for, like, the top modding guy. They hire DigiPen mm-hmm. students from Portal. Like, they look for candidates like that, and they see that there's a lot of value that they can add potentially to the company. Money ball. Money ball.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like you're willing to take a risk for something you believe in, you know, whether it's going to turn out the way that you're hoping or planning for or not. Like it's, I think it does say something about like you as a person.
0: (laughs) Well, Jane, you still there?
2: Yeah, I'm still here.
0: So, (laughs) We're about at that time where Brandon and I just be quiet and we tell the guests, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast, for giving us an hour of your time. Now, we'd like to give you a little something. You want to know what it is? (laughs)
3: What is it, Larry?
0: We are going to give you our entire audience for up to about two minutes to tell them anything you're excited about, something that you're working on, promote something, shine some light in an area that needs to be seen. The floor is yours, Jane Reed. (laughs)
3: <laughs> um
2: wow uh that's it's, it's a, it's a little overwhelming for me <laughs> um i i think what i want to say is i want to wish everybody the best of luck on um their indie endeavors um i you know i really fully support people that would take the risks to try something that they believe in or just anything that makes you feel alive mm-hmm. um and uh And, you know, a lot of these dreams and a lot of these accomplishments I wouldn't have been able to do without the support of my friends and family, and especially not without the support of my husband, Crash Reed, Um, and my son, Maxim, who is my everything. And he drives me every day to just be the best that I can be um, in all of my roles in life as, um, as an artist, as a mother, as a wife. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just wanted to um, hopefully share these lessons that I've learned with all of your wonderful listeners. And hopefully they uh, they can take those lessons and get even further than I did.
0: Wow. wow. <laughs> Jane, thank you so much. That was actually one of the better send offs because it was. Oh. Yeah, seriously. Thank um, you. No, thank you for being a part of this. Uh, you know, I always love seeing you and I love seeing how big Max is getting awesome kid his kung fu is on point by the way and uh you know we gotta get Crash to come hang out on here one time but for now jane thank you very much for being here mr brandon fam good to see you again but since no one else is talking i'm larry charles good night
3: Uh, brandon
1: fam i will see you next week
2: (laughs) thank you guys